Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome back to the Be Fit Podcast. I'm your host, Connor Murphy, here solo. We're going to talk about a couple of things today, kind of two topics, and one will relate directly into the other. But the first one is discussing the differences between influencers, motivators, trainers, and coaches. And I think a lot of times people group all of those together. Like you're a fitness blah, you're a fitness coach, you're a fitness trainer, you're a fitness instructor. What does it mean? And I'm not I'm not here to say, hey, this is wrong, you should be this, or you're not helping people, or you're not doing this. But in order to you know, understand something or to improve on something, we need to be able to define it. As you've heard from most of most of my podcasts, I want definitive uh, definitive answers, definitive descriptions of things like, like what is it? And then that's how we describe it to get better at it. So when I think of a fitness motivator, I think of uh, more so social media. And I think it's incredible the amount of motivation that people have. A fitness motivator I would uh, group in there is someone like David Goggins, um, former Navy SEAL. The guy is absolutely insane, incredibly motivating. Uh, His entire story from being 300 plus pounds, unable to complete a single mile to what he's accomplished now is incredible. Wouldn't quite deem him a fitness trainer. I don't know what he's doing in his spare time, but a lot of the content and a lot of the stuff he's putting out is motivating people, is inspiring people. And through that, very, very large following. A lot of people will see his videos and think, I'm going to go out and go for a run. I'm going to sign up for this race. I'm going to go do something that's difficult um, because they see his journey and they relate to him like that. And I think that's awesome. So we have these you know, influencer motivators, other people who put out um, content online. Hey, here's a quick workout I did. Uh, something I've definitely done. Here's a quick workout. Here's how I did it. Hotel workout, you know. 10 of these, 10 of these, 10 of these, do it for 10 minutes. Awesome. Motivating, influencing people to move. Wouldn't quite go as far as describing that as a trainer. There was a, there was a video that I saw on Instagram and it was um, an interview with Mike Tyson and it was talking about training fighters. And he's like, I don't want to be a trainer. A trainer is someone who lives in the gym. A trainer is someone who's waking up their client, who's making sure they're eating the right thing. They are their, their mother, their father, their, their you know, stepdad, best friend, cousin, psychiatrist, therapist, all of these things to help someone reach a goal. When you say, hey, that's my trainer, that's what I think about in that side of it. Someone who is completely dedicated to helping someone improve in whatever their goals are, whether it be a professional athlete whether it be someone who wants to um, you know, lose 100 pounds, whether it's someone who wants to come off of, uh, of insulin after being diagnosed as type 2 diabetic, whether it's, you know, like, insert blank, you know, like, that's a trainer. And I think that's the job that is, that is one of the more difficult when it comes to the fitness industry. Now, people want to claim the title of, Oh, I'm one of the, you know, they're one of the best trainers in the Boston area, or they're one of, you know, the best trainers 
to do this. It's like, who are they influencing and motivating people? Because that's one thing and it's very beneficial, but are they a trainer? Are they working day in, day out with their clients, training them to get to their goal? How many clients do they have that have lost over 100 pounds? How many clients do they have that have come off of insulin and type 2 diabetes after being diagnosed with type 2 diabetes? How many times have they been, you know, made the varsity sport they were looking to, to make after training? How many times have they gone from AAA to professional? How many times from professional athletes have you worked with that ended up winning the championship? It's like the, the diversity in, in any kind of goal. How many people have you worked with that have gotten to that goal? It's like those are the trainers. The amount of knowledge that you have to have to be a successful trainer is more knowledge than you have to have to be a motivator or influencer. Not saying that one is better than the other. You know, if you can reach the masses and get a million people to get off their ass and start running one day, that's incredible. But it is different than if you're working with one person who can barely get out of bed and you work with them day in, day out for a two-year period to have them have these extraordinary results. It's like that's the role of a trainer. And when we take it a step further of a coach, I think of a coach as the, as the highest level and not necessarily like, hey, I'm a coach of a sports team or I'm a coach of a sport, but a coach as someone who takes an athlete works with them like a trainer or a group of people like a trainer, but a coach is someone who's not just training someone in programming workouts, but is analyzing human movement and improving it in order to either achieve the goal or improve their quality of life. And I think that the differentiator there is understanding movement. It's the anatomy and physiology part of it. And this is a question that I have, and it's not, I don't want it to come off as negative, but I want it to come off as more of research of understanding what you're telling people to do. Everyone should squat. We all know that. Every trainer, every athlete, it's like we should all squat. We should all deadlift. We should all press. You know, a squat is raising and lowering my center of gravity. I had to do it to sit down in this chair. I'm going to have to do it to stand back up. I'm going to perform a squat. Deadlift, if you drop something down to the ground, it's if you can't deadlift, then that's gone forever. You, know, you have to be able to lean down, pick it up, uh, you know, pressing us something up and overhead. We all get the we all get that we need to do it. But what a true coach should know is why and what are we looking for? The squat seems like such a simple thing, which it is. But the more we try to dive into the simple, basic mechanics of it, I find a lot of trainers fall short with understanding why. What are the points of performance of an air squat? What are you looking for? You don't have to be an exercise physiologist to see a really, really good squat and a really bad squat and say, mm, this one's better. You know, you kind of have that innate sense of this is what it should look like. But what are you looking for in the squat? And why are you looking for it? When you say, hey, when you perform this movement, do it like this, why are we doing it like that? For example, if we talk about the air squat, there are five points performance as CrossFit and as, as I teach the air squat, there are five points performance that I look for. The points performance go as this. In no specific order, we need a proper line of action, which is the hips traveling back and down. The weight evenly distributed throughout the foot, but the weight in the heels or heels down. Knees tracking toes, 
So knees going in the same direction as the toes. The depth below parallel, so the hip crease going below the knee in the squat and maintaining a neutral spine, which maintains the natural S curvature of the spine where it is wedded to the pelvis throughout the entire range of motion of the squat. Great, you got the points performance. You can rehearse those, awesome. Why are those the points of performance? This next piece is more important than the points performance is why are they points performance? Knowing the mechanics of movement when you're teaching it need to do one, if not all, three of these things. First, promote orthopedic safety. Move the body in the way it is intended to move in the safest possible position. Second, take your joints through their full anatomical end ranges of motion. That's what we need to live, and that's what we need to keep our joints strong and healthy. The second is does it promote muscular and mechanical advantage? Is it the most efficient way to do this movement? All points of performance need to direct back to that. And through there, now we have at least a general basis of why we are teaching someone to do the movement this way. You should rinse, wash, and repeat this process with everything that you are having your clients doing. If we reference those three back to the points of performance of the squat, well, Connor, you said the first point of performance was the hips traveling back and down. What that does is promote mechanical and muscular advantage, promoting proper core to extremity movement pattern. With the hips traveling back and down, we avoid excessive knee drive forward, and it allows us to maintain the other points of performance. The weight evenly distributed throughout the foot, but the weight in the heels, when you keep your heels down in a squat, it maximizes the contribution of the backside of your body, which means more musculature. So there's a mechanical and musculature, muscular advantage be able to go all the way down and stand back up. Also, when we have our heels down, that creates balance about the frontal plane, which again is the muscular mechanical advantage of the movement. If my heels come off the ground and I'm in my toes, that could create unwanted pressure or just anterior dominant squat where I'm overloading my quads, which can potentially lead to other problems. Therefore, heels down can also be related to orthopedic safety. Knees tracking toes, that's the healthiest and happiest ways our knees want to move are in the same direction as our toes. Also allows for a full range of motion of the knee and of the hip because if our knees are in, it could block our hip from going through a full range of motion. As you see, we can, we can compound all of these things into why I'm teaching you to do this. If we talk about this in a lunge, if we talk about it in a press, if we talk about it in a clean, if we talk about it in a row, all of these things are very, very important but you need to know why. And I think too often we see something look good and we're like, that's how I need to teach it without taking that step further of understanding why we're doing it. That's the true job of a coach. And the beauty of it is that some of the best coaches in the world, some people that I've learned from that are the absolute best in their craft, whether they specialize in, in Olympic weightlifting whether they specialize in CrossFit, whether they specialize in powerlifting, whether they specialize in strongman, any of that, they have this ability to take this large, large bit of knowledge, right? They know everything about the movement, but they can distill it down into simple teaching points to where I don't need to impress my clients by saying, you know, <laughs> a bunch of fancy jargon to where I'm saying, hey, activate your posterior chain, no, you just tell them to keep their heels down and press their hips back. Or I don't need to sit, you know, externally rotate your femur. It's like, 
like what does that mean yes have that knowledge of of whatever you know exercise physiology that you need but distill it into simple teaching points to where your your people or clients can understand it press your knees up pull your chest up not i need the natural s curvature of your spine extend your spine it's like what does that mean like you know like simplify it to where maybe afterwards you can explain your in-depth knowledge and understanding of the movement but a, a true coach can or, or the best coaches the most efficient coaches in the world can get people in the right positions having all of this knowledge knowing the points performance knowing why we have the points performance but getting your athlete to do it faster by giving them simp simple simp simple direct and actionable cues that's our goal of a coach and not to take away from you know the motivators or influencers of the world but maybe by taking some of these pieces as a as a good trainer and a good coach you can now promote your product a little bit better hey if i'm teaching the you know if i'm teaching the squat in a video to say hey on this you know we, we're going to do 10 squats and this and then we're going to do 10 sit-ups and then 10 presses maybe give someone a little bit more as to what you want them to do start to start to get into the coaching world whether then you know someone might not know what a squat is sure you're giving a good visual representation of it but someone may not know the mechanics of it hey if you've never done a squat before instead of doing a squat without a you know just in you know an air squat you're going to squat down to this target sit down to the bench and then stand back up you know giving people a little bit more and a little bit more of an understanding as to why you know functionality of movement you know is is what we want to increase I had this discussion yesterday with someone talking about a lunge. It's like, well, what are we looking for in a lunge? And, and why do you teach it this way? And I'm not saying there's only one way to teach it, but you should have the knowledge as to why I'm teaching it that way rather than just saying, this is what I want you to have. What is the goal? What is the goal of the workout? You could teach, if we, if we go even a step further than this, you can teach depending on the goal of a workout you can teach the same movement differently. Depending on the goal of a workout, you can teach the same movement in, in separate ways. If I'm trying to get someone to get a one rep max power clean, I may teach the mechanics of the movement and how we're receiving the bar differently than if I want someone to do 21 unbroken reps of that. If I'm having someone row 20 calories as fast as they can, I may have someone utilize slightly separate technique, movements and positions used to accomplish the task in order to, to accomplish it one way rather than if I want someone to row a 10K, 10,000 meters for time. Right? There's different ways or different techniques that are specific to what your goal is. So taking that next step to understand, to really grasp why I'm having someone do this and the process that I go through is well, how do I promote orthopedic safety? How do I promote full range of motion and functionality and the muscular and mechanical advantage? Through those, we develop the points performance of the movement. This is what I want to see. Having your heels down in the squat does X, Y, Z. Hip crease below parallel. Well, when you squat that low, one, it takes the pressure off the anterior side by actually activating the, back the, anterior, or the posterior side of your body, allowing your hamstrings and glutes to, to add to the equation of the squat better balance, full range of motion throughout the hip. Like, that's what I want. 
So then if there's any kind of injury or something that's going on, then we can scale or change depending on you know, w- what our athlete is capable of. But usually when we're changing a movement or we're working with newer clients, the last thing that you want to change are the mechanics of the movement or the range of motion of the movement. First, we, I mean, you want to scale the intensity. And by intensity, we mean force, distance, and time. If today's workout uh, that we did downstairs called for 100 thrusters with 50-pound dumbbells in each hand, well, if someone can't do 50 thrusters, 100, you know, 100 total. So the scaling tenant was, I need you to be able to do 10 unbroken with relative ease. And if they can't do 10 unbroken with 50s, well, we're going to simply scale the weight. What I'm not going to do is say, hey, this is really heavy for them to go that low below parallel, so we're just, going to do, we're just going to do higher squats today. That's not what I want because now I'm taking away from those points performance. I'm taking away from the functionality, from the safety, and from the mechanical advantage of the movement. So we can scale the weight down. All the way down to where I can just have two expo markers in my hands. I'm squatting all the way down, standing and pressing, which is the full range of motion of a thruster. To where maybe it's not the load that's the issue, but maybe it's just the overall volume. So maybe instead of 100 reps total, maybe we stick with the 50-pound dumbbells if you can do them, but maybe not 10 with relative ease, and we scale it to 70 total reps, 60 total reps, 50 total reps. But we're maintaining the same mechanics of the movement because that's ideal for what we're looking for. Another way that we can scale, obviously, the load, so the force, the distance, which could be, you know, how many total reps. And then also what we can do is start to scale the time on it. Hey, what you're going to do is actually just 20 seconds of dumbbell thrusters. I don't care how many you get. We're going to, you know, focus on the points performance and the mechanics of the movement. And then we're going to move on from there. So we're taking away from the total amount of reps, but we're able to perform 20 seconds worth of it. You get where I'm going for there to where you can do this with every single movement. And that's where scaling comes in. And that's what makes training programs universal to be able to scale the workout to where today I had someone doing thrusters, full range of motion with the dumbbells in their hands, hundred total reps. I had another client that I was working with that had a little bit heavier weight but wasn't very comfortable on the squat and I know likes to ride the line a little bit. So today we gave him a bench and he sat down to the bench and he stood up and he pressed movement a little bit slower. So we also scaled the overall volume. So he could go pain-free range of motion through a full range of motion squat. If he sat down to a bench, stood up and pressed. So not only did we scale him there, but we also scaled the total amount of reps that he did. And in that way, I'm not changing everything to where now we're doing different movements that may not promote the same, you know, the same themes for sound movement or the points performance. And that's the role of coaches and trainers. They've got to take a look. They've got to have that second level understanding of the movement in order to be the most effective. Now, I say most effective because you can be an effective trainer and not know these things. But if you want to be the most effective trainer you can be, that's that secondary learning. Having that knowledge but being able to get your athletes to move better faster can make you more effective as a coach or as a trainer. Now, if we can start to combine everything to make these motivators, influencers, trainers, and coaches all under the same roof, that's going to take a lot. You know, some of these, uh, some of the famous uh 
Instagram, TikTok, motivators, influencers that are, you know, inspiring people to move, they have these intangible personality traits that are nearly impossible to to teach someone who's in the gym day in, day out and work really well with people. It's hard to get them to kind of be the bigger version of themselves. Or maybe that's not naturally how they act. So if you're the coach or trainer who is who is obsessed with movement and obsessed with improving and, and getting people better, I want you to learn. We should all, I mean, I'm in the same boat. I want to learn from these people who are getting hundreds of thousands of people to watch their videos. Fantastic. Now imagine if we could take that a step further. And now I'm going to give a video that's getting 100,000 views and I'm, and I'm improving the quality of movement just a little bit. I'm working with these people, giving them a little bit more information. And the same goes on the opposite side, you know, for these influencers, it's like, um, influencer fitness motivators continue to do what you're doing and inspiring people with inspiring words, with the way that you look, with the training that you're doing, with the places that you live, all of these things, but also start to understand the movement better. Why am I telling someone to do this? Why am I telling, you know, depending, no, no matter what the movement is, why is this, and am I following these tenets? Is this the most efficient way for, for me to tell someone how to move a barbell? Is it the most effective? Does it promote orthopedic safety? Is it taking someone through a full range of motion? Awesome. Maybe I, maybe I tweak a couple of things in order to maximize what, what someone receiving this video is able to understand or able to do. And, there's, and I'm not here to try to say there's one way better than the other. Yeah, I've, I've, I've gotten the opportunity to work with and train with some of the smartest and best coaches and trainers in the world. And I try to learn everything I can from them, from the simplest of movement and how to get people to move better. I've gotten to work with Coach Mike Bergner, USAW weightlifting coach, absolute legend in the community, who has an infinite amount of knowledge on weightlifting and, and different drills that you can do. Similarly with, with Chad Vaughn, Olympic weightlifter, worked with him on multiple training camps. I brought him out to our, our gyms before to work together. And, and the way they distill their knowledge into, into little tiny pieces to where people will improve their movement on the spot is incredible. They don't have to explain, hey, here's what I did in the 2007, you know, in the, or the 2008 Olympic Games in order to achieve this, you know, with, with you know, all this fancy jargon. It's just, hey, once the bar is on your shoulders, jump harder. Keep your heels down longer. Squeeze your butt. You know, there's all these just little simple things that's speaking to the points performance, that's speaking to a much greater base of knowledge on why you want someone to do something, but it simplifies it into getting what's needed to be done faster. So I've gotten the opportunity to learn from those people. I also turned, conversely, working in, in, the, you know, in an industry uh, with artists, musical artists, celebrities, to where I've worked with people who can, just with a simple post saying, hey, I did this workout with no other information and have hundreds of thousands of people being like, this is so inspiring, this is so motivating, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna try this out. And, and just through their personalities and how much people want to be around them and to be like them, and I want to try to beg, borrow, and steal from them as much as I want to from the other coaches and trainers. And if we can all kind of take a step back to not think, well, there's nothing I can get better at, I'm the best at X, it's like get those four categories, 
see where you are strongest or weakest, and then and then work your weaknesses to become an even better motivator, influencer, trainer, or coach. And that was, I mean, that was kind of the main topic that I wanted to talk about today is, is knowing the points performance, knowing the anatomy on why you want someone to do something, have conversations with other trainers, know the why behind it. You don't necessarily have to explain the why every single time you tell someone to do a movement or do a movement, but if you know the why, it will direct your knowledge, it'll direct your understanding and direct your eyes on what to look for and how to improve these things. It's very, very powerful. A lot of people out there are hustling and they're doing their thing to help people improve the quality of their life through fitness, no matter what way they're doing that. It's just, in my opinion, a couple of ways that that we can perhaps be more effective as trainers, motivators, influencers, coaches. So that's all I want to talk about today. If you have, um, if you have any questions on this, if you want to have a more in-depth conversation, you can always, always reach out to me on Instagram at Connor T. Murphy, one M-C-O-N-O-R-T-M-U-R-P-H-Y. Reach out, DM us at Big Night Fitness uh, on Instagram. You can comment on the YouTube page. Any way, if you want um, articles to read on movement, if you were like, hey, you talked about the squat. Why is this in the squat? Or, hey, can you break this down in a push press? Can you break this down in skiing on a, on a ski erg, on a concept two ski erg. I'm more than happy to give you every bit of knowledge that I didn't make up. I'm not a smart person in that. and I didn't get to invent any of this. I just got to beg, borrow, and steal from really, really smart people who have you know paved the way uh, in the fitness industry, learn from them to be able to, to give it to you and maybe a little bit of a different uh, delivered approach. Say the only thing I, I own in this is the delivery Outside of that, it's a it's a lot smarter people that are that have created the the um, you know, training regimen in which I follow, in which I've been gracious enough to um, be able to train other people of all different calibers. So keep at it. I don't I don't take this as like a demotivating. Hey, I'm not this. Hey, I'm not that. Hey, he you know took a shot at me this way. Do what you're doing. Keep doing it. Just know that if you're settled and you're like this is the best way to do it, I've I've learned everything. That that's a that's a novice trap, and you can always learn more. and it, And it may not be from the people that are like you; it may be from the people who are very, very different from you. But you can always gain and, and gain knowledge from each other. And that's what I learn every single time I have a guest on this podcast. You know, if you if you're the smartest person in the room, what are you going to learn from anyone else? So sometimes taking that step down. What was that quote? I think I quoted it a few times ago. I don't know if it was like a Socrates quote. It was like. Smart people learn from anyone and everyone. Average people learn from their experiences. Dumb people already know everything. Learn from others. Keep it going. All right. See you guys next week. Thank you for tuning in. We'll talk soon.